We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. Yo, welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of the Eight Black Hands Podcast. Uh, I am Charles, and I'm really, really happy to be here with these fellas. And before we dive in and see how they're doing, man, I'm really excited about this show. Uh, somebody that's near and dear to my heart uh, and just one of the dopest educators that I know and just doing some great stuff is going to be joining us. Uh, but later for that, we'll get there in a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Let's go around the horn real quick, starting with Sharif, just to see how you fellas are doing, man. Sharif, how you been, boss? Good, man. It's good to see y'all. You know, besides the fires, flood, and just overall foolishness going on around the country, um, doing all right. Oh, you mean besides the book of revelations just coming into play, just the <laughs> just everything in that last book happening at once right. and people losing their minds, which has always been a sign of all times. <laughs> crazy people right. running around loose, nice. crazy and in power wow. and wild. But other than that, good stuff. Weather was beautiful out here today. I felt like I was in San Diego somewhere. Okay, that's what's up. Mm. Chris, how you doing, brother? I see you got a message for the people on your on your thing thing. So you know. I'm repping my love language is self. I was gonna do, <laughs> I was gonna do agency, but I decided agency is too broadly accepted as being about everybody. <laughs> my love language is me. Look, uh, he ain't gonna show the bottom part. He's just like, no, 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 it's just self. It's just self. Bro. You put some tape over that part. Yeah, yeah self determination. Uh, I'm good. Y'all just hit it on the nail, though. Like you know, I say it every week. I'm fed. Uh, 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 I'm blessed. You know, I have shelter. Whatever. We should always acknowledge those things. We woke up this morning, and at the same time, man, when you said the Book of Revelations is opening, I mean, damn! Someone just tweeted right before I got on. Someone just tweeted. Connor Williams in D.C., as a matter of fact, tweeted. They're trying to open up the hell hole in Iceland. It's a volcanic thing that leads directly to hell, like the magma center of the earth. And they're trying to open it so that they could study the magma or something like that. I'm like, and, and there's just billowing, billowing black smoke coming out of this hole. I'm like, I feel like I read this before. I feel like I know this story. <laughs> like, this sounds familiar from my Catholic upbringing. Hmm. All right. Well, anyways, uh, let's eat, drink, and be happy until until it's done. Until you it's know. time. That's what's it's up, time. Bro. Well, brother, I hope you uh, are beige and proud until they, the, the volcano swallows us all up. Beige and proud to the last damn minute. <laughs> Ray, how you feeling, fam? <laughs> Can't hear you, brother. This is where I like to hear Ray. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you hear me now? Yeah, you go. Now, bro. All right, cool. Uh, so tonight I'm repping uh, uh, Urban Act Academy. It says, uh, I lead, I learn, I grow. Charter school in Indiana. And of course, we're going to be in Indianapolis in a couple of weeks. So shout out to them for hooking me up with the gear. And not only did they just, did they send me this t-shirt, but they also sent me a sweater. And I think 
uh, the night that we do our live uh, our live show, I'm gonna rock the sweater. So shout out to uh, Urban Act Academy, and for the folks that keep sending me gear, uh, please keep sending me gear. I'll rep you hard on our national podcast. Um, today I took a bike ride this morning, man. It kind of cleared my mind and gave me the things that I needed to get in order to be uh, in order to show up to tonight's podcast. So. Um, Thank you, and I'm looking forward to an amazing show. That's what's up. Uh, before we get to our special guest, uh, in, in, in addition, since you said all those things, uh, Jalapeno in, uh, Infused Tequila will also be joining me on today's journey for tonight's show. Uh, we, it's, it's a really good partner. Uh, warms you up on the inside when you need it. It's going to be great. Uh, but let me get to this, brother, man. I, I am, and you know, Chris, we've, been, you, we've, we've mentioned this in a few shows, Reef and Ray, just, you know, trying to get away from like kind of the panel talk of, you know what I'm saying? It's just hard because there's so many voices and people, but really just getting back into like the conversational tone of it, man. I think this is the right brother to do that with. He he knows the show. He watches the show. Uh, Marquise is one. He's a native of middle Georgia. I got to say that. And he went to the Fort Valley State University. Um and he does work in our middle schools in Oakland. He's a teacher at KIPP, but he's also the program manager for Oakland, uh, Oakland's uh, Energy Converters uh, chapter. Uh, love having that dude. This year he is teaching. Uh, they pushed really hard to get a financial literacy class in their school. Uh, and he works with fifth through eighth graders to do that piece. And um, and he led a really, really intense process around this report. And this was the first time I, I ever gave somebody else the keys to that baby and let them kind of ride it. He fully led that piece. And uh, I just want us to give a really, really amazing, warm welcome. Oh, he's also an actor and his movie is on Netflix right now, Night and a Day. Uh, it's not low budget either. It's like a movie movie. He has what? like an IMDB page. Yeah, man, homie does a lot. So I got to get as much work out of him before he goes Hollywood on me. Uh, please welcome Marquise Evans to the podcast, fellas. Applause, applause, applause. Welcome, bro. Welcome. Yes. Well, I can add him. It's cool. There we go. We got you in there, B. Blessings. So, Marquise, man, first off, thank you so, so much for joining us. And before I give you the floor, man, if you are enjoying us, if you watch us, if you support us, we need you to, right now to like, to share, to leave a comment. Let us know that you're here. The best way that people are going to see this is by you sharing it and you and them, showing, them seeing you all support. So, also, uh, for our Patreon members, I know I would be jumping into a, 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 a with a private conversation uh, just for the patrons right after. Hopefully some of the brothers can, can can follow us, but that will happen directly after the show. And you have to be a patron to get the link. Uh, but uh, we are definitely looking forward to it. Back to this Marquise Evans, brother. How you doing, man? Oh, that's great. Tastic, full and amazing, bro. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, that's what's up, man. I'm happy to hear that, man. Uh, so, Marquise, just tell these folks a little bit more about you, bro, and like, you know, what you what you got going on and, and just um, how you ended up in Oakland and the work you do. Yes, sir. So originally I'm from Warner Robins, Georgia. Um, I attended Fort Valley State University. Um, also a member of Cap Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. It's a uh, um, <laughs> this guy. So <laughs> what brought me to California, honestly, um, I I really acted in a modeling, modeling brought me out here to California. But when I received my job in West Oakland, just teaching, I kind of found my home. Um, I was blessed with the opportunity where I met my scholars in fourth grade and I actually moved up grade levels with them. 
And so I'm actually talk a little bit, a little bit more about that later on, because some of those same scholars were actually part of this cohort. And so I also was blessed with the opportunity of Brother Charles um, Cole the Third passing this opportunity of me being the program manager of Energy Converters. And well, Ben, I appreciate that, man. I've I've been talking about our report all over the place, um, but I would love for you just to give a high high level, um, just overview of it, just some things that stood out to you and just that process. This is the interview part of the, the podcast, but we'll <laughs> jump into it. Um, I will make sure that the link gets put out there for people to get, but just, you know, what was that process like and just what was it? Like how many young people did you all reach and talk to? Um, I'm going to be honest, when I first stepped into this this position, um, I had some big shoes to fill because obviously you did a, a phenomenal job with the first piece, but with that being said, it also helped me out as well, too, by when I recruited my scholars, because the way that you put that first report together, that was using that was my promotional tool. So a lot of scholars were juiced about being a part of that. They wanted to have their names on a new report. They, they were also interested in, like, why is this going on in Oakland when we push college on our scholars all the time? And a lot of scholars aren't understanding or have lack of knowledge of like, how do they get to college? And so that was the biggest thing. So our first stage was building their voice, seeing like, what, what, what is your concern? What do you feel like needs to be better in the education system? So we are together. We all facilitated conversations. Then after that, that's when we looked at the report. Like, okay, cool. This is what the data say about A through G. What are some solutions that we can, um, that we can implement to play a part a major role in solving this issue. And so Pretty much when we came up with our ideas or what our solutions were, we was like, yo, we got to hear the voices of all of our scholars in Oakland. And so that was actually the exciting part of actually getting getting our scholars out there because we did this during a pandemic. So a lot of things was done virtually, but I was proud of them just the way how they was able to get over 400 scholars voices on this on um, this new survey. And when we got our results, um, the first conversation that we had was, what are your thoughts about this? And a lot of our scholars, they was heated because it's just the fact that when we got the results back, we really found out why are our A through G numbers so low? And it's because almost 50 percent of our scholars didn't even know what A through G was. Mm. And so from that, that's when that's what led everything through our research from there. That's what's up, man. And, and I just want to open up to the fellas. I know most of you all had like seen that report. Uh, just if you had any questions about it or the process for Marquise, we can just stay here for a little bit and then we'll get into a, a, the, the larger, just, you know, different discussion. But I want to open it up to you all. Were there any thoughts or questions that you had? Yeah. So not necessarily questions, but I just wanted to just uh, for, for the folks out here that are not like Oakland based or California based. Um, there's criterion that uh, that that's in every state that talks to uh, college readiness. Right. And so I just wanted to put that out there because like, although this may be like Oakland focused conversation or California focused conversation is really not in the sense that, you know, college readiness is something that we talk about all the time and it's probably under a different uh, acronym or whatever, but like in your state, there's definitely something that uh, quantifies college readiness on if high school are ready for college. That's it. Yeah, I appreciate it. The, um, you know, one, just the student centeredness. I think it's so infrequent that students' voices and choices and perspective get centered, right? Like it got a whole mega industry um, in education and students are often the last to, you know, to, to be listened to. And I, I think that's, you know, emblematic of the situation and the systems, but also, you know, uh, 
main source of problems, you know, mm-hmm. uh, not listening to students and their families and the communities, their aspirations. Um, but I thought, you know, as I, you know, in all the reports, but this one, you know, uh, you know, for Oakland, what I think it what it helps in a massive way is help of you know, families and students, you know, um, avoid before, first of all, be aware of and then avoid the educational mirage. Right. You know, it's there's it's this mirage out there that's like, oh, yeah, you know, you can you can touch it. This is actually built for you. And that's a veneer of that sometimes in the rhetoric on the websites. But then when you actually get in it, you see it's a mirage like this ain't mm-hmm. this ain't real. You know, it was a mm-hmm. it sounded good. It sounded attractive. And so I think this helps elevate and really equips people to avoid the mirage, understand fully this is exactly this is what their mouth says. This is what they're actually doing to us, um, you know, and in our community. So I, you know, I just think it's it's important, it's dope. Um, and every every chance we can uh, you know, pull the veneer back, pull that hmm. that uh that sh- stuff back. Uh, almost cursed, uh, you know, is better. <laughs> Get it, Reef. See, see, Get see, it. See. Y'all got Reef up here cursing. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> I just got a question about like, so you said that students get heated. Uh, so they find out what A through G is because you said that like a good number of them didn't even know what it is. What's the conversation sound like after young people discover that there was this major important thing that they didn't even know about? Like, where's the conversation go from there? What did you hear? Um, I mean, I don't want to put any counselors on the spot, but the, the main conversation came in is like, how many adults walk you through this process? And mm. well, put that, them on the spot, bro. Why, <laughs> why you want? Why you want to nice just, about it? It's just, it's just a certain <laughs> level of accountability. Um, a lot yeah. of a lot of times, um, a lot of these scholars they don't have relationships with their counselors. And one thing that I can say about the school, if the school really wants you to know something, they're going to do their job and make sure that you know it. And so, when it comes to the um, A through G, it the, the anger was just like, why is this not a priority? If you're telling us, if your mission, whatever your mission statement for your school is basically like to and through college, mm-hmm. but why don't these kids know about A through G and how to actually get to college? It's just basically like you're selling dreams. Can I ask you a question too, just about that? Because because Ray just said that there's these type of A type, A to G type things in a lot of different states, but particularly in California, you have this A through G system. What type of benefits come out of like doing well in the A through G standards, like what? what so you, basically, what you get from having known about them and doing well on them. Yeah, just so basically, um, A through G, these are the, the actual classes. It's a, it's a list of classes that you must take for you to get a seven to a four year university out here. Mm-hmm. If you perform well on, on those, the benefits of you actually knowing the the requirements. You know how to look at your transcript and see if you're on track for it as well, too. So let's just say you're a sophomore, junior year. You're able to read your own transcript and see like, okay, cool. These are the classes that I need to take before I graduate versus you getting all the way to your senior year. You're looking at your transcript. You're like, damn, like what happened? You feel me? Right. Right. So so. 54 percent not knowing what those standards are is really where the there's that's where the system's broken. The opportunity system is broken right there. That's one of them. The That's other one, one is, yeah. The other one is they still have the D in the grading system. So instead of A B C F, it's A B C D. And so a lot of scholars, of course, freshman, junior, um, freshman sophomore year, you get a D on your transcript. You think, okay, I passed the class. I don't have to take it anymore. But then when you go to apply for college, 
they don't accept these. And so that's where that's why one of our policy goals comes in. We're trying to have a dump the D campaign where we're, we're actually trying to get the D removed from the grading system. That's a crazy name for a campaign. Bro. I'm just going to tell you right now. I'm just going to dump, tell you. Dump the D, drop the D. It's been it's been a few different ways. Yeah. But 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 actually wow. something since the last time we've been together, something has developed in Oakland around the work that we did. I'll let Keith uh, tell you all a little bit more about that. Something happened at the board meet. That was that was your cue, Keys. You were supposed to. <laughs> what happened at the board meeting, bro? What happened at the board meeting, Keys? <laughs> oh my bad. But basically, I um, so I dumped the D campaign. It did get to the board, um, and we actually do have um some board some board members that are actually some allies in this as well too. So we're just waiting on results of that, and so we actually confident about this getting taking place. So, so yeah, what would happen so if the D gets dumped? What would happen? Okay, go ahead, Ray. I'm sorry. So, uh, yeah, no worries. Go ahead, Chris. Well, I just wanted to follow up on it, just make sure we keep the audience flowing along with the, the action right. here. If the D gets dumped, <laughs> what happens then? Like, so what happens I, I, next? I can answer that piece. So basically, it's not it's not a uh, it's not like saying, oh, let's lower standards or anything like that, right? It is just more awareness around the differentiation between what a D does in high school versus what it does in co- for, for, for college acceptance. So if a kid is on the precipice of getting a D for uh, uh, um, for a semester grade, there are schools in Oakland already. This isn't actually new charter and traditional schools uh, that they will counsel kids like, yo, you at this D level, let's kind of get you up higher. Like, let's let you know what's on, you know, what's on par for that or whatever. It was, it's almost making teachers and schools recognize D as almost like an F as a failing grade and taking the same type of actions. And so I'm going to be meeting with some of those. So it was actually, and it was all seven board members were on board once they heard it, once they heard these numbers. And we got to thank also our partners in Dirk at State of Black Education and then Families sure. in Action. It was, it was a big, a big, big effort, but I've been screaming about this stuff for three and four years. But I mean, so Ray, I know you had a, a, a question or a comment, so let me let you oh. jump in there. Was that clear though? Yeah, yeah, very clear. Um, also, uh, and I think Jamoke is clearing, clarifying a lot of the things that I wanted to ask uh, from the board level, right? And so, um, I guess in, in terms of in terms of just thinking about the D, if if, it's my, if my understanding is correct, if you have a D, then you can't retake the course. But if you have it's, an F, yeah. you can, if you have an F, if you receive a grade of F, then you can now retake that course. And then uh, the higher grade on your transcript now gets looked at by uh, the college. Yeah, that's a great it's question. Like so no man's land, huh? Right. Damn. So, so, so that's so like you, railroading folks. Exactly. Okay, Charles, go ahead. Yeah. No, 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 no. You're absolutely right. So that so basically and this happened when I was a student. Right. So many people was taking summer school that they start to prioritize the kids that failed the class. Well, the D is not failing. So if you got an F, you were you got to take summer school. If you had a D, it wasn't impossible for you to take summer school, but it became a lot more difficult and you weren't prioritized. And then we started to send kid, those kids to like the junior college system um, so they can try to make that grade up. They might have to pay. They might not. It was just a lot of stuff around it. So it's it's a lot more difficult to be able to retake a class if you have a D or take summer school and take advantage of that or cyber high is what we used to call it. It has a new name now. So hopefully now with these new rules in place, you'll be able to help kids like, you know, kids thought they were okay. Like, you know what I mean? It wasn't kids just being lazy or families being lazy. It's they like thought that they were fine. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, I passed. Yeah. It's, you it, get you know, to the next level. They're like, uh-uh. Well, you know, it's, in college it. you say C's get degrees, but in OUSD is D minuses get degrees so we can have good numbers. So, I mean, so 
hopefully that that piece was changing. So ridiculous. Um, you yeah, know, man. You know, so you know what would be really, really dope is if uh if 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 there was a case a case study done in Oakland with students that were see and I, I think um I think uh, Nicole Johnson is saying that uh, they can retake the course if they have a D. They just have to request it through their counselor. But any of those kids, that, <laughs> any, any, the same counselor who ain't helping them on nothing else. Yeah, yeah they, they'll just, tell you no. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, any of those, any of those students that are not able to take the course based off of financial restrictions or whatever, if we were able to put together some kind of fund, uh, small scale. In order to in order to get those kids the, the 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 resources that they need in order to retake those courses so they could be ready for college, I would be interested in contributing to something like that. If you do that, uh, Doctor Cole. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, I mean, I, I I appreciate those thoughts, man. I think I think one of the things that we've been trying to do is. That's why we build both policy goals and agenda goals. Listen, dump the D campaign, regardless if it goes with, with flawless victory across like a Mortal Kombat game, yo, it's still not going to be enough, right? Like you cannot, I will never tell these kids and their families to rely on this system that has failed them systemically over and over and over again and are only taking action when we started to shame them, right? Like, so if in, in that case, we've also trained over 2,200 students around like, you know, hey, this is what A through G is. We've trained over 500 parents. We built out mm, a whole bunch true. of like stuff online so people can do this on their own because this is the thing. This ain't even about money. This ain't even hard. This is about will to do things and to tell the truth. So when you stand up and say, yo, this, this high school with these black kids got, you know, 90% graduation, well, say the next line too, bro, but only 40% of them is eligible for college. Or if you're going to say, well, college ain't for everybody, well, now show me these amazing vocational, like, results and jobs. Show me that thousands of black and brown kids are going right into plumbing to being able to be a journeyman and making $40 an hour out of high school. It's not happening, right? It's a lie. So... It was so crazy, Charles. Yeah. It's like... And I should say, Doctor Cole. You know what's so That's crazy, Doctor Cole Charles and, Mar and, and Marquise too, brother. Is if y'all do succeed on this thing that you're doing right now, you will be making a structural policy change in a system that is going to open the door for more people to get opportunity. Right? That's just like me bottom lining what's at, at stake here for our listeners. But my question is, why did two brothers from Oakland, or one brother from Georgia, and one brother who graduated from schools out there? Why are two brothers with a bunch of youth making a structural change in a state that has a governor and elected officials and people who run campaigns on equity and how they're going to get everybody a fair shot at the American dream mm -hmm. and how they want to, like, have all the kids like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, you know what all right. the campaigns sound like. Mm -hmm. But here's two brothers that if this goes through and you, you win this, uh, y'all will have had to do it. Not all the people that are in charge. I guess I'm making a rhetorical point, but it's just like, what does that tell us about all the people that say they care about children? I'll let, I'll, let our guests, so. I'll let our guests go first and follow up with him. On yeah, they rhetorical. Yeah, we want to know. Inquire yeah, yeah, What's up, with them? What's up yeah. with them? I mean, it is one of those things where it's just like it is what it is. It's like they know the solution, but it's just like, does it benefit them? So for us, it's just like, I mean, we just, we just the ones that got to step in. We identify the problem. We come with a solution. There's, a, there's many things in America that be, that can be fixed or whatever, but it's like, does it get fixed? So 
Yeah, I'm just going to pass that one back to you, Charles, because my, my answer is just, it is what it is. I mean, they, yeah, they know, not, they know the story. trash in your answer, but you didn't say you trash. Know. I was expecting to hear that word in your response, but go ahead. Charles. You can you can add that, man. I would say, uh, one, Marquise is a lot more likable than me, and I would also want to throw some love to our, you know, our partners, Dirk and Kimmy, and, and it's, a, it's a few other folks that have been helping out and being a part of it. I don't want to throw them out of there, but I've been yelling about this thing for years and years and years. Uh, since I was actually in high school and I had to almost get suspended to get some support around my A through G stuff and I had this before the internet where you had to like go get the little pamphlet and and check and all that stuff man so I would say that once when you start when you start shaming folks <laughs> and folks started to be like like yo our young people were hot yo our young we had young people going back to principals like yo why you why am I hearing this from these people? Like, you know, our kids were really, really like on that. And then our parents is the same. And I think that when you start to speak and show that something ain't going to stand and then when you can't just point to money, when you can't just point to certain things, I'll, I'll just say this one thing about uh, Miss Cynthia from the NAACP is the sweetest lady ever. Uh, she runs Oakland's education. Uh, she, she used to be she runs that committee. She used to work in a district. We had a banquet like Jamoke was there. Dirk was there. We did this thing where we, you know, we, we, we get all our community together and we shared these A through G numbers, man. And she started crying, yo. Like she like she is a good God fearing woman. Don't curse like Sharif, man. And when she saw them numbers, she told everybody about they self in that mo- in, in that moment. And, and I love that lady, man. But it, it takes that. It takes a community to kind of take that stuff back because this don't happen at the white schools. It don't happen with the white kids. I don't even add the white numbers to the to the chart because it's almost ubiquitous with graduation. Like it's almost the same thing. Right. But if 85 percent, if 95 percent of white kids graduated, 94 percent graduated on A through G. Why is that? You feel me? So I think that's part of it. the other thing that I want to point to that kind of segues us to what you said, Chris. I would go into the office on Saturdays or I would kind of pop in and out. Like since I got Marquise, I can I can focus more on the business and he's worrying about the, the program in Oakland. Fam, I would come in there on nights and it will be 40 parents in there. It'll be 30 parents in our offices on the weekend. And and and. Marquise does not hold back. Hey, this is what I expect from your scholar. This is what I need for you to do. Like that community trust him. So this part is around there's there's educators and then there's community educators. And I think that that's one of the things that I think that I'm most that I'm most proud of is that Marquise. Our program tells you the truth. We're not sugarcoating nothing for you. If your kid acting out and doing wild stuff, we like, yo, this is what's happening. But like and we show parents, yo, this is how it's happening. But this is your here's your role, too, though. Like, here's the role that you play in this. Like, everybody got a role in this. And um, so, I mean, we can segue into that piece, man. And, and and I'm really interested to hear from Sharif just around his work with black educators across the country. I don't know. And Marquise, you're here. I don't know how long you're going gonna to be teaching in Oakland. I know you love it and been doing it, but I would love for you to tell us just what do you need as an educator? Like, what what enabled you to become the type of community educator that you've been that's so honest and so straightforward with parents and students. Um, to be honest, um, I learned like around like my first year of teaching, basically it's about building that strong connection with the parents because at the end of the day. <laughs> oh, and where'd you start teaching that brother? Go ahead. We got people oh, from my, that place listening. Oh, yes, sir. I started teaching in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, I used to teach at Tenley Collegiate Academy. Shout out to Miss Marshall. What? <laughs> yes, wow. Sir. 
That's a small world. Yes, sir. So she had brought me on. Actually, that's where I learned to become a teacher and actually build those authentic relationships with parents and basically building that communication as well, too. Because when I came out here to California, I noticed that a lot of parents did not trust the school system. It was was like this battle between the teachers. And so just having those those real conversations with the parent, letting them know, like, I have nothing against your child. Like, I have the I hold your child to a high expectation and I am this way because I want your child to achieve this and this. Because if I don't do it, this this is the results of this. And that's when we got to the A through G stuff and how basically a lot of parents are unaware of that because a lot of parents are not having those relationships with their teachers. And so my biggest approach is actually just being vulnerable, just being honest. Like, I don't know everything. Like, I'm figuring everything out myself. And I, I admit whenever I make a mistake, that's the first thing I do. I admit whenever I make a mistake. But... Starting off with the positive and owning my accountability, and that's when I voiced to the parent, okay, cool, how can you own accountability so therefore we can work together to elevate this scholar because it shouldn't be no parent versus teacher type of vibe. And that just goes back into like, there's a there's a strong teaching shortage out here in California. And I just know that when I try to like tell my homeboys come out here and try to get some of my brothers to teach, it's always a thing about the parent. Like they don't want to have the back and forth with the parent. And so that's like my biggest focus this year is just building those relationships with the parents, because that's that's what keeps me. That's what keeps me there. When I can avoid any type of head clashing, I can do my job and elevate the scholar. That's that's what's keeping me in in the, in the classroom. Mm. Are there still some challenges beyond young people and their parents not knowing about the standards? So if you you can't do what you don't know. Yeah. But even after you do know. Are there some additional challenges after, you know, for people to feel like they (laughs) (laughs) are ready for the process? Right. I don't know how to put this because, you know, where I want to mindset is right now. It's mindset. But uh, I think I think I get where you're going, Chris. I think I, I mean, listen, man, when you are not valued by your system. Right. When the only value is we need you to show up so we can get this ADA, because, again, you know, Marquis said something earlier, but he a nicer guy than me. But I don't care. I don't, I don't care about none of y'all not liking me, fam. Like, here's the thing. When they want you to know something, you know it. When we was about to strike, when the largest strike happened, kids knew more about school policy and teacher pay and pay schedules and hiring schedules and all that stuff. I, and I remember telling y'all this like, yo, I, at this, I just thought we just didn't have a great teaching core. They can teach their ass off when they motivate it. And I think (laughs) like, you know what I'm saying? What we, we said this four years ago, three years ago, Jamoke can attest to this. Our kids said, why don't you just put a green, yellow and red light, like a, a, a color at the top of my report card and the top of my, my transcript. And if it's yellow and red, make parents have to sign it. Like, just something that sparks the thought process. But again, it's will. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it, do you have the will to do this? But I will give our superintendent props. She put it early on in her priorities for the year. Um, our name was not on the board, uh, the board presentation as the folks that kind of started and brought it. But it is what it is. It's fine. As long as we get what we need for these young for these young folks and that parents are you can't let up. Parents and students. We teach our students, yo, this ain't fair what we're teaching you. It's not okay that we asking you to do this, that you that you 14 years old, but you got to be able to watch your stuff. But it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? If you're trying to get to where you're trying to get to, this is the reality of the situation. And I think a lot of parents respect us for like coming at it like that. Mm-hmm. Cool. 
Look, I had a question for Marquise. Like you, so you've been leading a classroom for for a minute now, and you know, a lot, as we're talk, talking to these districts around the country, so many of them are they're infatuated like with recruitment, particularly recruitment of the black man, the elusive black man. It's almost like they're on a safari hunting, right? The elusive black man walking down the street. Look at his swagger as he goes into the store, right? Like, but they don't care about retention. They're not investing in retention. Who's the swagger anymore? What's that? Who says swagger anymore? Who oh, people it. with it. Stop people it. with it. People with and it. Anyway. <laughs> got it, bro. That's who says it. <laughs> the, the, um, and so, Marquise, I'm real curious about, like, what would retention look like and what are the ingredients for retention? You know, like, what, what makes, uh, particularly Black men, what would make them continue to leave um, a classroom and have that impact on hundreds and hundreds of, uh, of youth? <laughs> Well, I can speak for myself. I know for me, it's like putting me in a position where I'm not the disciplinary person. Like that would that would work where I could actually focus on academics, not necessarily on discipline. Um, two, it's also providing us with the resources that we need to continue on our education journey, especially out here in California. Um, the, to be certified as a teacher in California, they really make us do a lot. So I just put it out there. I'm certified everything in Georgia. But when I moved to California, they're, they're hitting my head with so many other credentials that I have to gain just to teach in the classroom. I've been teaching for so long, but then you have another teacher who is quote unquote, a highly certified teacher who is not of the melanin, um, Tribe. Superpower, exactly. Yeah, you superpower. <laughs> oh, that's better. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So it's just like they come in and the kids run the classroom. You feel me? So it's just like putting us in a position where you can actually give us the resources to help for our career, where we're not breaking our necks, trying to hold down our classroom and make sure we still have a job as well, too. Hey, so so I, I want to get this dude props, right? Like, yo, the way he's presenting himself, right, with like the grace and the elo- eloquence right. or right. whatever, right? The front side. Yo, of you that. always call him black men eloquent on no. this show, bro. Like, you, yeah, this is the third time you've done that this year. He's so eloquent. He's you think that too. Articulate. I think it might be Oakland too. You got bias yes. against Oakland folks, bro. <laughs> the front side of 1911 yeah. is taking care of business. Shout out to Peter Ford the third. Uh, <laughs> in the audience and that's all I wanted to do was just show this black man some love being on the front side of 1911 appreciate Reef, that bro Reef, you know nothing about that because you cat it out and and, and, and and didn't pledge so shut up is that what you're doing you're talking about pledging he didn't get recruited <laughs> he didn't get recruited that's not his fault that he didn't get recruited Man, did they? Yeah, oh, they no. just didn't do it hard enough. It that's work. all. I just want to say, Marquise is very much given a young Uncle Charlie energy. Like I'm getting very much like if there was ever a, a Gap band, because uh, this hat, y'all gonna see me show up with this hat on the next show. <laughs> hey, y'all gonna see me with a cowboy hat last time. I'm not above stealing. I'm not above stealing. Well, last time he had a cowboy up. hat, and this time, I mean, it's it's slick. I'm about to do it. You need to be in my kids' classrooms. Anyways, I wanted to go somewhere with this real quick because I thought mm-hmm. I was trying to go there, but I couldn't say it. But I just want to keep asking you because I just, just I, say it. I, well, I just heard Marquis say like 
some teachers will go into the classroom and the kids will not be like, like it'll be mayhem in some of those classrooms. Cause I don't know for whatever reason y'all are educated. You can tell me what you think, but like this thing that comes up when we hear this statistic that black children do better in classrooms with black uh, teachers and we see, we have the research. And then I see the headlines over and over with that. What I rarely hear people follow up with is uh, the question of why. Like, I rarely hear people, like, answer that question. Like, it's just like, well, yeah, it's just a given that if you have black teachers and black kids, they do, you know, the kids do better. But I rarely hear anybody answer why. But what I was going to say about this, and this is very bad for me to raise as an issue, (laughs) there could be some culture problems. There could be some situations, right? I watch a lot of fight videos, and a lot of them are classroom fight videos. And in those classroom fight videos, I can't tell you what what I think the problem is. I don't think it's that kids don't know the A to G requirements that has them throwing desks at each other and 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 pulling each other's wigs off. I saw one rip the wig right off a teacher's head. That's what we're doing right now. Well, I'm just asking because, listen, I'm trying to get to the bottom of there's a lot of things that are blocking us from being our best and being excellent and not having the information we need to know the pathways to opportunity is one very big one. And then after you handle that, the quality of our teachers becomes another one and the quality of the curriculum becomes another one. And if you just keep compounding them, there's a lot of them. But. What educators will always come back to me with when I raise this as an issue, Chris, you're not in the classroom. You don't teach. You don't know how these kids are. You don't know. You you know, you don't know what you're talking about. You couldn't do anything in these classrooms any different. Right. It's not about the system. It's about the kids. That's the only reason I'm bringing it up. It's so not the only reason. I like bringing it up. Well, so ask, also bringing ask, it up that bro- ask that brother why it would never happen in his class. So one, yes. Let's hear so it. one, I don't understand why kids are even fighting in the classroom. Um, according to the most honorable Miss Kelly Marshall, she taught us rule number three, raise your hand for permission to get out your seat. And that's like one of the rules that I stick to in my classroom. You have no business getting out your seat without permission. As soon as a scholar get out of their seat without permission, that's already a red flag. Like, yo, what, what, why do you out of your seat? So one, I don't understand how they fight in the classroom too. Um, when these teachers who lack our superpowers come into these classrooms, they come in with this, this sympathy type of vibe. Instead of giving empathy, like I understand your situation, but at the end of the day, this is where we need to go. They come in and give sympathy. And I can use an example for us. It's like, um, just like certain classrooms, they allow certain students to get away with certain things because I guess what's going on at home and they had, they, they sympathize with it because they, I guess it's not a norm. They're not used to that, but the kids know how to manipulate different teachers. And it's like, if I come and talk to that scholar and I say, Hey, what would your parent like prefer you to be doing? They'll go ahead and sit back in the seat. Mm-hmm. You feel me? And there's certain things that will go, and I'm not trying to throw anybody on the bus or anything like that, but it's like, there's certain things that won't go on in my classroom. But then when I hear a story about another scholar, another classroom, like that scholar did what? They would never do that. But it's just like, what systems do you have put in line for these behaviors not to happen? Because your systems dictate your behaviors in the classroom. So if you have a solid system, like you good, but it just, it's one, it's on getting teachers that actually understand the culture and two, having an admin as well too, that are actually going to like lay down the law because you will have some admin that will come in your classroom and undermine your authority, basically take over your ship. And if a child sees that, it's just like, you, you done with your kids. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's another, um another one as well. 
Well, so so sometimes you can see uh, you can see teachers that lose their their superpowers by calling admin in. So like just like how you talked about, you know, there's some people that get in the classroom like us that are like, man, I ain't never calling no admin. I ain't never writing no referrals. I ain't never doing none of that shit because I'm gonna, I'm the principal of my classroom, right? Whereas you got other people that yield their power. And they're like, oh, well, I can't teach because such, 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 or I'm going to send this kid out or I'm going to send a whole litany of kids out or whatever, right? And then so you lose your power from that perspective as well. And kids, kids hone in on that, right? And so, you know, it, it's crazy because like you could have the person that's teaching next door and then those kids, when they come to you, they already know you don't play that shit and then you gonna, they're going to learn, they're going to do what they got to do. But then when they next door, it's like they're not learning anything. But that affects them and that affects student achievement kind of writ large in the sense that like they're not learning in that class prior to coming to your class when they sit down to take uh, standardized assessments or when they sit down and take any kind of assessments or whatever. Right. They're not going to perform to the best of their ability because they now don't have those skills, those compounded skills that, that they didn't learn from the previous class because they was misbehaving. Yeah, I mean, I think some of this is not, you know, I know a lot of times we focus on the children, but it's it's actually human nature, like to respond to hopelessness, right? You know, like hopelessness, no matter where it is on the globe, it's going to foster something, you know, and not just children, adults too. There's hopelessness and there's actually like, you know what, there's there's nothing being invested in this. Actually, I've, every turn, I feel like, you know, I mean, I'm getting smacked up against the, the, the wall, no opportunity, no access all of that. And then you have a, you know, this toxic uh, level of uh, low expectations on top of that, you know, um, this uh, like just disregard, this contempt for not just you who's sitting in front of me, but your whole lineage, your whole history, your whole community, all of that combined within a, that's why like school culture is so important. Classroom culture is so important. Right. And, and a lot of times that's not taught in teacher prep. Folks are like going like, all right, yeah, go ahead, go ahead over there, go ahead over there, go ahead over there. And not, not only are they teacher prep, they're not, you know, they're not, it's not talking about relationship. It's not talking about respect. It's not talking about, Hey, here's how these people have contributed this group of the community you're going in, here's how they've actually contributed to the math, sciences, and pedagogical frameworks. It's like, no, they haven't contributed anything. Just go in there, right? And so, like, that mindset um, is pervasive, and people are going to, you know, push back. But you add the hopelessness to it, like, it's problematic, you know? And I've shared this story. Like, at Shaw Middle School, where I first became a principal, like, that they were setting the trash cans on fire. I'm like, yo, where's the trash can? Oh, we can't have trash cans. It's on fire. Hey, where's student work? Why isn't that wow. uh, on the bulletin board? Oh, we yeah. can't have uh, that out because that was on fire. You know, the kids will set it on fire. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? These are fifth graders. What, what are you talking about? Right. And so, but understanding that mindset and changing it, and even the students that, and I shared this before when we had the conversation, like, you know what, this is going to be the Shaw Middle School is going to be the one of the best middle schools in the city. They have an auditorium full of kids, middle school kids laugh and say, that's impossible. This is Shaw. Like, you know, my mom told me about this place and like all that. Wow. Six months later, when they're not saying that, when they're not laughing, when they're saying like, oh, yeah, Shaw will succeed. We're fabulous indeed. They had a mindset shift about like, oh, expectations are here. Access and opportunities here. You know what? I feel respected. Right. And so like, OK, now I have hope. I have inspiration. Now let's get to the business. But that relationship that Marquise talked about right from the very beginning, the relationship and respect is the fundamental aspect of any class or school community. Without it, like, yeah, like it's, it's going to be uh, it's going to be problematic. 
You know, Sharif. So in keeping with the shirt, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it says self-determination down there too. And I know, Charles, you talk about agency a lot. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like the part of what these young people are getting is the agency about understanding what the system that they live in is like. Absolutely. And what they can do within the system. And I guess in related to because we we just have very rich what I just heard all three of these brothers and educators say was very rich information for me as a lay person. And then I'm watching the uh, comments and we got a whole community of people saying super smart stuff about the thing that I just raised as a problem. Like, I don't totally understand it. And then I see all this. Okay, so that's great. What is the agency shift in students beyond understanding policy? understanding that they can affect policy or make structural changes. But, you know, agencies have taken on a different meaning with people that talk about self-control, self-regulation, personal behavior and all of that. What what are you guys thinking about? How's your thinking going around that part of the agency framework? I'll let our guest go and then I can jump in if he throws it to me. (laughs) Uh, So basically, hold on. So basically with agency, um, I know for us, um, but first, what our what our cohort that we just had was building on them actually knowing what A through G is first. So then it's also now, do you know how to read your transcript? And so with that being said, now our goal now is to actually train some of our our fellows into teaching other scholars how to read their transcript. So if none of these policies get taken taken care of, we at least have a group of kids who can go into these schools and teach other kids on how to read their transcripts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it, I think it's exactly that. I think for us, you know, on the agency piece, we say, look, we can do all this stuff around um, around policy and change stuff. But, you know, just because something becomes a policy don't mean it's going to happen the way it's supposed to. And then they end up learning about Brown versus Board and unintended consequences and unfunded mandates and things like that. (laughs) And I think what our young people is like, look, we make it very clear to them early on that what we're saying it ain't about fairness. It's about your survival and you eventually thriving. And here go the things you you can't just trust. Like they learn early on that they just can't trust what adults say to them. And that's a sad reality to have to break to a kid. It's like telling kids every year that Santa Claus ain't real. You know what I mean? And like not only is Santa Claus not real, you might die hope, thinking and hoping that Santa Claus is real because you ended up in a different type of situation. The one thing I was really careful on doing y'all is like, I did not want to take Marquise out of a classroom. I changed the job around. I rewrote it. I was like, yo, I want you to still be in this classroom and to be able to lead this program part of it in Oakland while doing both, right? Put some extra bread in your pocket and you good at this. And, And I mean, that was just something that was really important. And I think that we have to be really intentional with the things that we say that we want to do. Um, the one thing I really like about Marquise and what I would say, and also people don't understand this. I would say this for the lay person, Chris, you a lay person. Middle school is a different beast. Okay. There's elementary totally and there's high school, but That's there's right. the reason they used to put seventh and eighth graders over here away from everybody. That's you know right. what I mean? That's so, right. And they you should still kids. do it. it <laughs> Put them on a damn got, island. That's the island. worst thing you could do. That's no, no, the worst. No, no, they should make a middle school thing. island somewhere. But you it's know, middle but middle school country, you know. But, but this this is why I think it's so dope because middle school, you probably have the most changes happening at the at one time. Like kids coming in playing with action figures and like are getting their hormones like at the exact same moment, right? So I give I take my hat off to the middle school people out there, yo. I your struggle is real. I think though, you know, I, I think Marquise's thing, and I and you should talk about this more. It's the parent relationship, though. Like when I 
Like I didn't see it's situations that I didn't seen where parent and student, I mean parent and Marquise are like unified and check this out, fam. Like, like it, it took me back to a throwback. Remember when we was kids and like a teacher would say something about you and then you'd be like, she lying, mom. And my mom would look at me and be like, that lady ain't got no reason lying on you, boy. Like I didn't get no play <laughs> when I was trying to like argue with, with like what the teacher was doing. I just wanted to know, bruh, how did that relationship with those parents get to that part where you got them coming to downtown Oakland where it ain't no parking at 40 deep to listen to a lesson. I mean, we essentially would do the same lesson for them that we would do for the students. And I'm just going to tell you, bro, you might take it for granted because you do it and you do it with ease. A lot of teachers across this country can't connect with parents, bro. They don't respect them. Like, it's just a tough piece. So, like, you would have a Chris Stewart at your session. Like, how do you build that relationship with the parent like a Chris... I mean, I have an open door policy in my classroom. I love when parents come in to um, just, observe, just observe my lessons, like just to get a, a style of how I teach. So there's no he say, she say type of vibe where the parents get to know my personality as well, because I express my personality a lot when I teach. So that's one. They 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 come in and they see my personality. Two is also. I mean, this is like in the handbook right here. Always send a positive text home. Like that's the first thing in the beginning of the school year. Even if the scholar did something that you you may not like in the classroom, still send a positive message like, yo, such and such. Um, I'm, I did an amazing job in class today. This is Mr. Evans. Just want to let you know who I am. Just lock me in. So then if I do have to follow up with a negative behavior, like that parent already knows, like my heart is in the right place. I'm not just hitting them up anytime they do something negative. I do acknowledge when they do something positive as well, too. Hmm. So that's the biggest thing, just communication and also just um, uh, just welcoming that parent to come in the classroom as well. And that's the biggest thing. I, I don't mean to go off subject, but that's the biggest thing is parents coming in the classroom because... Like I told you, I moved up grade level. So I started with my with my scholars in fourth grade. I was a fifth grade teacher, sixth and seventh grade teacher. I still have some scholars in the classroom who their parents don't even know what the fuck I look like. You feel me? So it's just like, how, you say so you just leave your kids with strangers. You feel me? So the biggest thing is gaining. Now you speaking, you speaking that Chris Stewart language now. Go ahead. <laughs> yes. So the biggest thing is is building that relationship. So therefore, when I do need to tell this parent the truth, they were able to receive it because I already had that relationship with them. And so the event that Charles is referring to is um, basically I just had a real conversation with the parents. It's like this is the teacher's job. This is the student's job. And this is the parent's job as well, too. And it's just like if one of us are not doing it, this we're, it's not going to it's not going to happen. You just can't put everything on me because um, the, the the idea came about when progress reports came out. Like back in the day, if I had an F in the class or I had a C, it's it's my fault. You feel me? <laughs> but it's like nowadays the, the parent will call me. Why the fuck my child got an F and F? Woo, woo. But it's just like at what at what point did you not know? Like I've been calling, texting the whole year. We give you the password of power school to actually go online and check the to check the score every day if you want to. But now you want to wait until the last the last part of the year to come and call at me. So from there, that's when I just say, you know what, I'm going to try something different. Let me just start building these connections early. So just going back to answer your question, the first thing is building that connection in the beginning of the school year, sending those positive text but messages. See now, this is wait, 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 this wait, wait, is wait. the real talk. Yeah, this is where wait, I want wait, all wait. three y'all <laughs> educator people, wait, wait, all three y'all probably on the hot seat for this one because there's a teacher listening to all three of y'all. Yeah, out there who is saying, I tried all this stuff. 
Mm-hmm. There's a whole nation of teachers who are listening. I call it the Monday morning problem. They listen to discussions like this for something specific that they could do next Monday that will make their make them better and mm-hmm. better. And they have taken the build relationship PD. They have taken the understanding equity or different family type PD. They've taken the PD on whatever, whatever y'all take PD on because they, they hate it. They talk mm-hmm. so negatively about PD. So educators, what do you say to the Monday morning people? So, so real quick, Ray I want to go ahead. Go ahead, Ray. I want I want to say a, a couple of things. So, so I, I saw a transition here, right? <laughs> I saw a transition in our guest, right? He went from if you're if you're listening in the audience, you know, especially if you're in Divine Nine, you know that it went from not, now knowing that he's not a PWI noob, he is an HBCU noob based off of the last segment, right? So you know that now, right? So we're clear on that. But the the most important thing that he hit on, and I think that this is something that is a takeaway for uh, for anybody that's listening to the show that's in the classroom, it's just the positive affirmation with parents, right? And so like to this. Like we're we're in week two. How many of you guys have reached? How many of you educators have reached out and made that positive, that first positive interaction with uh, with, with with these kids, right? Like I've said it, I've said it on Twitter. Like I know folks have like you know kind of got behind it, and it's been like a whole campaign of like making that first interaction a positive interaction. I know school leaders are saying, "Hey, make your positive phone calls or whatever." It's not something that's taught in teacher education programs. It's something that you have to have the will to do. It's something that's very simple. Right. It's very simple. It just may take it may when, take Rado, when copy, and, it? copy and paste. When they going to do it, bro? Like they, they say they so busy. Like when they I mean, I don't know. But like when are they when do they have time to connect with 150 parents? All right. So I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to say something that's going to be very unpopular. OK, do it. I want to. I like this. All right. Go but, ahead. But it's, on, but it's on brand, though. Right. OK. And so, right. And so, so it's unpopular, but it's on brand. So what I'm going to say is this. Your planning period does not belong to you. Your planning period belongs to the kids. The first couple, the first couple of, of days or whatever, you should already be playing probably like weeks in advance because that's what you're using professional development for. Mm-hmm. So you can't say that you don't have the time the first couple of days in order to reach out to parents because if you don't have the time to reach out for professional uh, for, to parents for positive interactions, I don't know what the hell you did in professional development. I don't understand, right? And again, doubling down on what I just said, your planning period does not belong to you. Your planning period belongs to kids. And then any teacher that has available time to go to happy hour after work, you have time to text those parents as well, too. Let's go. I'm adding to both of your cancellation funds. I'm adding <laughs> I got $10 on it right now. And before Look, I, I, I'm just going to, yeah, I, I just want to, you know, um, this part has been very interesting. And I would, <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I guess if I hadn't worked, you know what I mean? Uh, what? 16, 17 years in turnaround schools, then I, you know, I would get where you're coming from, Chris, you know, but because they were in turnaround schools and it's the same zip code, same neighborhood, same kids, same families who the folks who were leaving said, we did everything. You know, my my first day in the classroom and back in long time ago, back in 1993, when I walked in, mind you, I was like the fifth teacher you know, and it was only like October, if that. The lady who uh, she, I didn't even get to the door. I guess they called up and said, hey, you know, the new teacher is coming in. She didn't even wait till I opened the door and came in. I was halfway down the hallway to her door. She comes bursting out the door, stomping down the street, down the hall, talking about, you can have them. 
I'm like, wow. you know, damn. have them. Wow. Damn. You know, and I'm listen, I'm 21, 22. I'm like, I'm like, whoa, what is that? Like, am I sure this is the career? I was like, what's going on? Oh, like, damn. what happened? And I went in there. I was like, oh, these are children. These are young black youth. Like, I mean, like, it was like the crack it was in there or something. The way she's like, oh, you, you got this in, just storming <laughs> out. And so I would say, like, and then in the turnaround experience years later, seeing that everything was the same except the adults the mindsets, the expectations and the results. Mm. Right. Like, and so I, I think that all of that still plays, plays a role in it and understanding the context. Mm. And, and I agree with, uh, you know, with a lot of what was said, like these things aren't taught in teacher prep. A lot of the PD is trash. Um, and I, I do want to say, like, at one point, our leadership team, because I think too often it's, oh, the principal, the principal, leadership teams, teacher leaders, like all of the folks in within a community have to build those relationships. Right. And not just, oh, because I know I'm going to smack your kid down at one point verbally. Right. Like I'm going to say, so let me just give you a little fake positive. Hey, your kid shoes look nice and then like no it's like developing actually authentic relationships so if they want something monday actually look at them as human beings look at them as your own child what would you want even on your child's worst day or do they still feel loved and do they still feel like a daggone human being start with that on monday have that mindset because most of it is going to be on the adult not the kids (laughs) not the kids right and so i think that's where that's where you start off with every monday (laughs) not just tomorrow every monday do that deep reflection and think like how do i think about them even when they make mistakes even because if they can't have a safe space in school to make mistakes where the hell are they going to make mistakes? And everybody talking about, yeah, mistakes is how you learn. Mistakes is where you grow. Oh, that's where <laughs> mistakes lead to success. But don't make no mistakes in my classroom or in my school. Or like, come on, man, come on. Mistakes Yo, man, I, jail. I, I, I would, yeah, they for, do. For I, would, I would just say that was that was beautiful, Reef. And I think I would even add in. I think you inferred this, and I know you said where you start. I would also say, and just study study your content know what the hell you doing you know what i'm saying like i think that that's really important like a teacher I think, if you don't know that like but, this, but, the, but here's the thing whatever right? it is right? here's the thing reef it don't i've had classes where they didn't know what the hell they was talking about oh like, that's i don't why disagree at all but but that that's why mr brown who actually is in marquise's school now right i think he, i don't know if you're tired yet but like Last that dude year. knew his he knew his content so, so well, so well. And he was six, eight. He could hoop. He was a black dude from the neighborhood. And he told us out the gate, yo, you fighting my class? One, I'm going to let y'all fight and I'm going to comment on it. And then two, I'm going to suspend both of y'all and talk to your parents. And we're not going to have that issue. Mr. Brown, we was in one of the most violent schools in, in, in Oakland. He never had one fight in his classroom when I was a student at Westlake Junior High School. Not one. You feel me? And like, and he's, if we can get him, I, I got to bring him on. I love that dude. That dude. Anyway, so I just want, here's, I want someone to make this announcement because I've not said this to Marquise. Uh, I've put aside uh, a certain amount of money, a nice chunk of change that Sharif or Ray or Chris if there's anything around in the way of PD, especially for you, Sharif, around getting more black men into the classroom the way that we have a Marquise, I will pay for his flight. I will pay for his hotel. I will pay for his time on those days to get that exposure because I didn't get into this work to just be the only black dude in my area that's doing it and doing it this way. Um, I got to shoot. I got to give a shout out to Fatan, who was also a teacher and who introduced me to Keith. But it's a few pockets of like black men and they don't get 
that love and support that they need. And I want to keep them kind of cast in a classroom or keep them in that area or at least like let them see what, what is offered to them. So I didn't I didn't make that announcement to anybody, but I I, I did the movement and all that stuff a few weeks ago when I knew you was going to be just, on the I show. I just emailed your proposal to, to access that and bring, bring okay. peace to Philly. Yeah. This is cool. cool. This is well, just bull. now, like this 10 seconds bull. ago. So you just That's said all I'm going to say. What's a, what's a bull? I'm sorry, this what's some bull? bull? I'm actually wearing your shirt and you put me last <laughs> in that list. You said Sharif, Ray, or Chris. What? Yo, I'm trying to what? get to that. I'm actually brother, wearing we, your shirt. Brother, we got a brother, we got a brother on here that runs the black, <laughs> the black teacher, black men thing, brother. I got you. Whatever you need, Chris, I got you, bro. I can't stand you, bro. I'm taking Chris, I will, off. Chris, yeah. Chris, I will make sure, in addition to whatever he does with Ray and Sharif, that <laughs> even if he goes over budget that I will pay for him to be in Minneapolis to do with you whatever you got planned for him, brother. Because I will say this though. much. I will <coughs> broadcast and put a platform or highlight or amplify whatever you do with that. Because I think if you do anything good with PD, you will be like curing cancer in some ways. Like PD right now is the number one for the 15 years that I've been watching schools. I've never heard one complaint more often than PD. Bro, like, so, like, 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 let me say something real quick about PD. Constant, like, it's so constant. It doesn't matter. Look, listen, it doesn't matter how amazing professional development is. You're still going to have people that are in that building that are going to be like, oh, that PD sucked. It doesn't apply to right, me. Right, right. <laughs> you're still going to have that, right? Yeah, so, like, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. So, like, it's a mindset change in terms of, like, you know, when, you, when you're. But, but Ray, do you think it's bad? Do you do you agree that it's bad or that it can be really bad? And, and I agree that in some instances, professional development can be really bad. Yeah, I I also agree that there's some professional development that can be really good if you open your mind to it, right? Yeah, so like, gotcha. so for example, if you have special areas, and I say this all the time, you have special area teachers um, that come into an academic professional development and they're like well this doesn't apply to me what the hell you mean don't apply to you it absolutely applies to you because academic (laughs) language academic language needs to be across the school right right right. like what are the things that you're doing what are the what are charles let me i'm I'm gonna let you close i'm sorry you take it off it's all good i don't want to take too much no, no, you're good. You're good. I, I know we got to get to the. We, I, 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 but I'm gonna clear what I was saying, right? As a, from CEO Charles is talking, it will be from PD funds. It will be from Marquise's professional development. But whatever type of building he does with y'all in Philly, New York, or Minneapolis, like we need more Marquises. Like we need them, and we need to figure out how to attract them and to get them. And I knew that not competing with his school, but actually complimenting the work that he's doing at his school while allowing him to do the things that he likes more and putting some extra bread in his pocket. Well, that might be something that might attract some folks. I don't know. Maybe Sharif got some thoughts. Maybe Ray, maybe Chris does. But at any rate, Marquise, we're about to go into final thoughts, man. And I just so appreciate and I so value you, man. Like you have been on this on this journey with me, bro, with, even with my mistakes and like not always knowing what it was and just, you know, I had done this alone for so long. It was, you know, it's not always easy to bring somebody in and hand them your baby, but you took it, bro, and you took it to a new level. You even added in middle school kids, which I was weary of. I don't I don't do middle school kids, bro. I do. Give me the high school kids. You're like, no, 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 it's going to be OK. And I think for middle schoolers to be a part of this cohort and to still get in 450 other student voices and these middle schoolers to go into high school 
knowing about A through G and doing and all the things you set up for parents. He set up something for parents when their kids was graduating that these parents knew what A through G was as they were entering the system. Right. So um, I just wanted to honor you and thank you. I'm going to let you go first just with your final thoughts about being on this show. And then I'm going to go in order of of my screen. So uh, Marquise, give us your final thoughts, man. I just wanted to just hopefully you felt like you got your flowers today. Also, Marquise is a new father. So sending you love on that, brother. And just... uh, you know, just showing you love, man. No, you could have lived with that. I was about to say, how you gonna say that at bro? the end? Congratulations. Because I ain't got no damn kids, and I, I don't be on top of my mind. Like, Welcome, oh, to Welcome to the brotherhood. Welcome to the brotherhood. We all like, oh. <laughs> I didn't give you, I didn't let you talk about how fatherhood has impacted your teaching. So you can wrap that in if you want, I guess. Um, I just would like to appreciate y'all for allowing me this space to come on y'all show. Um, I guess my final words, um, I'm going to just break it down for for parent and teacher. If there's any educators out there um, who are experiencing behaviors in your class, just know that if you're not coming to class, planned, prepared and ready to teach, behaviors are going to happen. and you knew what you was, you knew what you was getting to when you signed up. Number two for parents, um, just do don't put too much stress into this education system because obviously from this report that we have seen, there are scholars that are graduating from high school, but they're not meeting requirements to get accepted in the college. So therefore, it is on our parents to demonstrate that parent agency to know what's going on in their child's education and make sure that um, they're elevating their scholar as well. And then if there are any scholars listening, same thing. Make sure y'all demonstrate that agency. Learn how to check your own transcripts, develop those relationships with those counselors. If there's any counselors listening, make sure that y'all are tapping in with all the kids that are on your caseload, making sure that you are setting them up in a great position for them to graduate, meeting requirements that they need to. Chris. Mm. Well, first, welcome to the Brotherhood. I like to say that uh, black fathers need to be visible and yes, we need to uh, make it. We need to celebrate it and talk about it as if it's normal because it is. And I want to say to my crazy uh, friends, writers center who like to talk about black fatherlessness all the night, all the time. Uh, black children living with two parents is the norm. It is actually the majority of black kids and people don't talk about that statistic enough. It is literally the majority that live. And of the ones who don't live with the two, they are co-parented by two. And of the ones who don't have that, they have uncles and others filling in the gap. So black father, black fathers need to be seen in her. So congratulations, brother. Well, appreciate it on that one uh, for energy converters and for um, this focus on youth and agency. I talk about, I said all the time, um, how are the children and you guys have the best answer we'll ask them damn it <laughs> right like like i can keep saying it how are the children in every community that i go to but unless somebody answers the question well well let's ask let's ask them uh which is what you are doing so i think it's amazing i think it's uh, uh beautiful i will say in this conversation i heard some really rich things that i think i'm going to keep thinking about uh and it's not popular to say i'm gonna start this as ray usually says this is not gonna be popular or whatever but Someone put in our comments that it is a three-person relationship. There's a student, there's a teacher, and there's a parent uh, wrapped around student achievement. And I would say that all three of those actors, when it comes to to children of color, black children, brown children, beige children, um, all three of those actors have rooms for improvement. Uh, And those rooms for improvement might even be equal. Only two of those people have something to lose. 
like one of the one of the groups in that three legged triangle already has their college education and a pension and in in some cases a decent uh, standard of living. The other two oftentimes are the ones with the most to lose. That's what we call it at risk. So agency is going to keep coming up more. I love it when it means you understand that the system that you are in is rigged and someone has helped you decode it to understand just how it's rigged so that you know specifics. But I also want to know and hear from Charles, I think in the future about how we expand agency uh, for parents and students where they really are the ones who say, if anything's going wrong, it lands on my, on my desk. We can talk about teachers all the time. Cause I do <laughs> teachers hate me. They're sick of me talking about the deficiencies of teachers. And I only do it cause they don't like to talk about their own deficiencies. They like to talk about how hard they work and how many kids they hug and how many uh, granola bars they give to hungry children and all that crap. Right. So they get mad at me pointing that out. Maybe you could do better in your practices, but they do have a point at some point where they're trying very hard and being very earnest and they're still not getting anywhere with parents and, and students. So I'll end there just by saying uh, agency should include us thinking about our own contribution to the, the student achievement as parents and students. Absolutely beautiful. Ray. Bro, <clears throat> welcome to, uh, welcome to fatherhood, man. It's an amazing thing. And, and, um, <laughs> And enjoy them while they are young, because well, when they get to be seven years old, they uh, they turn your world around. <laughs> so, um, so definitely, um, definitely welcome to that club, man. It's an honor to be in that amongst that fraternity. Um, Chris, uh, you all you you use this word friend, bro, and I feel like you use it kind of loosely because if you got people that are right of center that are talking about uh, black father fatherlessness and things of that nature, and they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Those are not your friends, bro. Those are well, well, those are Christian friends, brother. In okay. Christ, those are friends. And, 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 those are friends in Christ. <laughs> in Christ. That, that, yeah, in Christ, those are friends. Because Christ <laughs> makes me like people I don't like. Well, I yeah. want to like, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, yeah. Yeah. All right. So yeah. I'm those glad are Quaker friends. Yeah. I'm glad we were able to clear that up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. All right. Um, but um, lastly, I just want to say, man, it is I this was supposed to be my night off, but man, I thought about it and I prayed on it. And I'm like, man, this dude Charles is doing some amazing work. Uh, he brought uh, Marquise on, who was also doing some amazing work. And so to be able to be, you know, kind of a lightning rod, kind of uh, put the focus on the work that Energy Converters is doing. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to, to have the opportunity to engage in dialogue with you, brothers, man. Charles, keep up the great work, man. I'm proud of you. Appreciate it. And take your night off, brother. I appreciate you being here. But, you know, we all need that rest, man. Um, yeah, it's all good. But thank, thank you for that. Go ahead, Reef. What'd you say, Reef? I know I you said, said something. He could take his night off on Saturday. <laughs> Go ahead, Reef. <laughs> no, I, you know, again, Marquise, congratulations not only you know um, on the work, but on on fatherhood. You know, uh, may may your child be a light worker for our community, and um, and make you um, as well as his ancestors uh, super proud. Uh, you know, I, there's so many things that came up tonight and I'm, I'm glad we're, you know, continuing these discussions. I think, you know, one thing that really uh, stood out for me is like just the, the impetus for teacher prep um, to improve drastically, uh, to prioritize uh, relationship building, prioritizing listening uh, to students and families and then forming action beyond that. But not just teacher prep, you know, both pre-service as 
as it's called uh, for lay folks, the training that educators get before they arrive at the school and then in service, the, the, the development, professional development and training that they get once they arrive at school, that also has to significantly improve. Uh, we put in the, in the chat, uh, you know, look at the, uh, the Mirage. I mean, and it talks about like how many school leadership teams and principals have no idea how to coach teachers. So when we're talking about, you know, and I agree with Chris, like we can't just keep blaming uh, teachers when there are leaders who have no idea what is the first two or three steps to helping them improve. So, you know, not being able to hold them, themselves accountable to, you know, ensuring that the school is a, a great place of, of learning that has the culture that's supportive, that's going to support black, brown children, but also support black and brown educators, as well as any educator who's in front of those students. There's a, a just a colossal lack of understanding of how to coach, how to lead. Um, and leadership is, you know, um, is problematic in society. And so we should not think and be naive enough to think that, oh, yeah, leadership is is at a deficit in so many places in society, politics here, you know, whatever. But, oh, in schools, leadership is pervasive. Nah, it's, a, you know, this is a microcosm of society. So those same issues with leadership that happen outside are going to also happen uh, inside. And so she, we need to be aware of it. And then lastly, I just want to say, like, listen, the report, you know, my favorite part about the report is that and I think uh uh, Chris brought this up, that it's both the agentic and the political solutions that the youth are are being, ed this is education to me, like being aware of, hey, there are different ways to solve this. It's an inside outside game. Here are the things that you need to know. Here's the things that you can do. And I share this often. In Thamusasa, that elementary school I went to, it, it's Swahili for discipline now. So that's mm -hmm. self-discipline is a thing. And then also here's the political education that you need to address the system and build a, some, a better vision for our community. So um, appreciate you being on here, Marquise. Um, thanks a lot. Uh, Cole's going to hook us up and I'm going to apply for that grant that he, uh, that he threw out there. Uh, we got a whole audience yeah, just, that just, heard it. <laughs> just, just have him, just have him come man. I'll make it happen. Yeah. I, I also, the brother, the, the movie is, is real big, brother. I wanted to make sure that uh, as I go into my final thought, it got Ashton Sanders in it, Jeffrey Wright, Yaya in that movie, uh, Isaiah John, Regina Taylor, all these folks, man. So it's on Netflix because uh, that brother don't be pumping his, the movie that he was in, brother. That's kind of a big thing. So see, look, I'm messing up stuff. Let me stop the screen. Um, but just in my final thought on this, man, um, one, congratulations, Marquise. I, I really do appreciate you and what you've done uh, and working with you, man. And, and, and reach out to I'll connect you with these brothers, but reach out, man. I want to make sure that we get more views out there. The other thing that I would just say to people out there listening, man, is that there are some amazing folks in and around your community that really do care about your kids and that's doing the best that they can around it. And I think we got to find ways to like nurture them and kind of wrap them in. And like, you know, I would just say this, man, you have seen so much. If you watch this show, you've seen overwhelming evidence that you cannot just leave your kids in the hands of this system. You can't. Your kids are too valuable, not just to you, but they're too valuable to the system. And unfortunately, they value they valuable to the system, whether they learn it or not. They actually a little bit more valuable to this system if they not learn it. They actually a little bit more valuable if they got a behavior problems, because then we can have programs all day. We can have, you know, jails are waiting for them. You know what I'm saying? And I think that um, 
this is when I when, when we say we need more of us in these classrooms, I think you, this is what we're talking about. You know what I'm saying? So I just appreciate you all being patient with me as we kind of did this show, but I really wanted to highlight, um, just the work that this young man is doing. Um, and just the impact that like, it's not even, I didn't even get to the part where I watched these kids look at him. Like I've observed his classrooms a ton of times. Like the boys are paying attention to him. They pay attention to how he dresses. They pay attention to how he talks, how he moves. Like you'll go in and they'll be having like a chant. Like I, every time I done been in the classroom, it's been a new chant about something. I'm like, when is they learning these chants? What is happening? You know what I'm saying? Like, but that classroom is fun. It's yeah. fun. Like I love being in there and you learn and those kids have such a high expectation. And then finally, man, I'll just end on, you know, one of the things we lead with at Energy Converters is with our young people. And we tell them this from the beginning. You are entitled to your own opinion. You are not entitled to your own facts. We do not pimp our kids. We do not emotionally pimp our kids and make them think everything they say is right. No, no, man. We actually look at data and help them see what they are in that data. And then we talk about it from that, that standpoint. Our kids go through the same process that I went through to become a doctor. And at the end, and we don't tell them that in the process. We don't tell them until the end after they've done it. And we say, yo, you've done every single step that it takes for somebody to become certified as a doctor. And then you see the moment where they go from not believing they can do something to actually believing it. You know, at some point, a young person that went through our program will run energy converters. Like that is the true like litmus test of if your organization that you built for community is good, is that if somebody from that community that you built that organization, that organization for can actually run it later. So I appreciate y'all to the patrons. Uh, again, give us five, give me five minutes, give us five minutes, whoever be able to join. I kind of sprang it on the fella. So, you know, um, but we'll be over there. If you are in the Patreon, if you are a patron, you have the link. And in five minutes, we'll be over there. Uh, with that being said, for Marquise, Ray, Chris, and Sharif, I am Charles Cole III. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see y'all next week. Peace. You have been listening to the Eight Black Hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at 8BlackHands1. Thank you for listening.